Injury takes you out of the game. It's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm Tyler Miller, and you're listening to Sound of the Loons. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson, and this week we've got a special episode with Minnesota United goalkeeper Tyler Miller and Dr. Greg Folsom of Alina Health Orthopedics. He's the orthopedic surgeon and team physician for Minnesota United. We're going to be talking about the long, arduous, and often misunderstood process of rehabbing an injury, something that uh, Tyler had to go through uh, over the last uh, couple of years. So I expect that if you are listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast, you don't really need a huge introduction to Tyler Miller. Uh, he's the starting goalkeeper, and you've probably seen him um, catch some balls with his hands. So uh, we're going to start with uh, Dr. Greg Folsom. Uh, Dr. Folsom, uh, give us a little background on yourself, um, you, you know, the stuff that you work on, uh, how it relates to, um, you know, to sports and, uh, and all of that good stuff. Sure. Uh, thank you for the invitation. Um, so I'm an orthopedic surgeon and I'm specializing in sports medicine. I primarily uh, operate on knees and shoulders um, through the range of, of injuries from weekend warriors up to the professional athletes. Um, and I've been involved with the, the team for the past two years. And um, it's been uh, very enjoyable work to, to add to my clinical practice, which is uh, full time. So were you, uh, so I assume you were a sports fan to begin with then, uh, it seems like. I was, yes. I, I played uh, just about every sport growing up, um, including soccer, but uh, obviously not to the level uh, of um, <laughs> team but um yeah sports have always been an interest um and it, it really just kind of goes hand in hand with orthopedics when um you know we, we see a problem uh you figure out the problem and uh, and try to fix it and try to get people back to, to what they enjoy doing yeah that's a tremendously important work and i think we've seen it uh you know this season with minnesota united there's always injuries i think that uh, one of the things that comes up a lot um, talking about soccer or any other sport is that availability is a huge is is a skill. It's a huge part of putting the team together and people being able to be selected and to play. And so keeping them healthy uh, is is a paramount importance if you want to get uh, you know the the best players out there for your team. Um, so now, uh, Dr. Folsom didn't didn't work um, uh, with with Tyler Miller on this, but we're we're sort of putting everybody together to talk about this this process of of how you get back from an injury. Uh, you know what it's like for athletes, what you know maybe everyday people can do to help prevent some of uh, some of the problems that come along with you know, for some of us getting older and still wanting to be physically active and how we deal with that stuff. A little background for, for, for Tyler's situation in 2019, um, you know, he and the team started really strong, two wins on the road. 
And then there was this thing called COVID-19 you may have heard of. It, uh, it shut the season down real quick. Uh, in the MLS's back tournament, he backstopped the team all the way to the semifinal against Orlando City, right? Is that, have I got this background yeah. right? To, okay, I, I, suddenly I was like panicking that this was not correct. But, um, uh, but he had a, sort of a nagging hip issue, uh, which eventually ended his 2019 season. But he's had a tremendous bounce back this year. He consistently plays him in the top five in the league in goals against average, helping the Loons to eight clean sheets, which is tied for third in the league. Um, so I just want to go back to the beginning of this journey a little bit with you, Tyler, um, and then we'll get into, you know, was j- just to get the intro here and then uh, get into the rehabbing process and recovery. And that, that's really the huge, the huge part of this that we want to talk about. One of the things I'm really interested in is this idea, you know, I think a lot of um, pro athletes, you were dealing with this sort of chronic issue as opposed to an acute issue. When you have an acute issue, you got to take care of this. A chronic issue is one that can linger, uh, and and athletes often what is allow them to become professionals is a mentality that says I'm going to get out there and get after this no matter what happens. What is that mental hurdle like getting over that point where you say I have to take care of my body even if it means I'm not going to be able to play for this season? I'm going to start this long road to recovery. It was a, a very difficult process, uh, and it was. Uh, a conversation that I, that kind of was uh, over the course of a, a few weeks where I was, I was speaking with my parents, speaking with my trainers and, and speaking with my agent and, and really deciding whether this was the right path that, that, I, that was going to be the best thing for my career. Because ultimately we have to look after ourselves in our career. Yes, it's a team sport, but we are all individual professionals and we are the only ones that really can earn ourselves the money and, and, and kind of, uh really control where our careers are going and so when it came to deciding uh to to finish my season uh last year in 2020 uh it was tough but i knew what the circumstances were for the 2020 season and the remainder of that season uh coming back from the bubble and so i just decided that for the longevity of my career it would be better to do the surgery now and come back healthier in 2021 and be in a better spot that I could ultimately play for another 10 to 12 years versus dealing with this chronic hip issue and my career could be over within two to three years. Mm-hmm. Had you had you had to come back from a big injury, sort of that, that process, had you gone through that before in your career? Uh, nothing as severe as this. I've had the the the... the the acute injuries with the meniscus tear and other small, small tears, but nothing as significant as this, where it was more a buildup over four or five years where my hips were just deteriorating and it needed to be fixed. And um, that ultimately led to my decision of, of fixing it now. Um, and then hopefully not having to deal with it again for the rest of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Folsom, what, when you're dealing with a, you know, a, a, a chronic issue versus, you know, an acute issue and sort of assessing that and going forward, like, it, are there, are there triggers for you that you say, you know, we need to take care of this now? Like what, you know, it, overall, obviously you're dealing, we talked about this before, you you don't do hip stuff necessarily, but what is the process of, of sort of evaluating a chronic issue for making that decision? Yeah, it is. Um, it is tougher. Like you said, when it's an acute Injury. I mean, I just uh, just finished a full day of clinic today with I think at least three ACL tears and a couple of them had meniscus tears and one was in a pattern that uh, needs to be dealt with acutely and even within a few weeks. 
uh, versus maybe just a, an isolated ACL tear where it's a little, you know, it's going to needs to be dealt with. And usually people deal with it sooner rather than later, but you've got a little bit of flexibility, but, uh, but yeah, something that's a more of a chronic condition, kind of when to, when to pull that trigger um, sometimes can be a little more difficult, um, especially for an athlete. So it's, it's just like we evaluate um, anything. We kind of take in all the factors, you know, for a professional athlete, um, time during the season um, is, a, is a big consideration. Um, uh, but, but yeah, just other, you know, each kind of assess it individually, which again, honestly, is kind of how we assess each individual patient. Um, you know, not just what's going on on the x-ray or the MRI, but um, what's going on in, in their life. Um, again, so for the athlete, time of season, maybe other factors, other past injuries. Um, and again, for when it's a, a weekend warrior, it's the same thing. It might be other medical conditions. It might be job factors. Um, and so just try to take all that into consideration. And then it's a discussion because there's always pros and cons with, with each approach. Mm-hmm. So in terms of looking at the, you know, getting to the, the, the rehab portion, because, you know, again, this is just the, the start. Uh, there, there's a huge road that comes with getting back, especially if you're talking about getting back to the level of a professional athlete. Um, Dr. Folsom, what are, you know, what are some of the first steps on that journey? You know, once, once, once you're done and you're, you're sort of fixed up, what's the, what's the first steps that, a, that an athlete has to take to start getting better that way? Yeah, with with each uh, surgery, we usually have pretty um, pretty detailed protocols of do's and don'ts in terms of activities. So there's there's that set of instructions to um, to follow. But I think uh, another piece of it that doesn't get talked about as much is just kind of the mental aspect of it. Um, sometimes it really doesn't sink in until after a surgery that okay, this is this is real, and I am going to be out for the season or out for however long was discussed and, uh, you know, coming to terms with that can be one of the, the, the initial steps, um, to deal with as well. Yeah. So, so Tyler, were you off your feet for some amount of time? And then, you know, what were sort of your, what was your return like as you sort of just got back to, you know, sort of being normal, not even necessarily getting back to, you know, athletic activity, but just the getting, getting through it. Yeah. Uh, actually the, the next day after surgery, I was, uh, I was in, um, starting my rehab process. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> and thankfully I had, I had a fantastic, uh, physical therapist and, and I was in there and I was, uh, actually, I think I was sitting on a bike and I was slowly pedaling. Um, but the thing about the hip surgery is that I was able to kind of start the rehab right away. And it was important to start that rehab. And I think that when it comes to an athlete's mindset, that is all like more it's it's the physical therapy aspect is very important but then your mindset of how you're going to deal with this this uh recovery process is very important because for me my mindset was like okay i know what my next six months look like and it's physical therapy getting back and and doing what it takes to get back on the field and i was so determined every single day i got in there and there were some days where i i hated hated doing it but i did it because i knew what my end goal was. And so that was really what drove me kind of through that is keeping that, that long-term goal of where I wanted to be when I did finally get back on the field. And, and that really helped push me through the, the, the process. 
Yeah. Is that, um, Dr. Folsom, for, for, you know, patients who are not uh, necessarily professional athletes where they're relying on this, you know, for their, for their income, this is their, this is their job, but it's, it's an injury that somebody suffers. Is it going to be, you know, obviously Tyler is saying like, I went after it because it was, it was my job for people who, for whom it's not their job. How difficult is that in terms of making sure people are staying on their, their schedules and doing all the things they need to do to get better? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. That's, uh, that's why it's a, a full-time job. And um, some, some patients are more motivated than others. But, um, you know, we, we, we fill in, try to fill in the gaps and try to keep everybody on, on the right path. And it, it takes a team. Um, that's why we have a, a team of physicians that takes care of Minnesota United. Um, the, the physical therapy piece is important. Athletic trainers at schools that we work with um, in the high school and, and college setting. Um, but even, yeah, yeah, like you said, for the weekend warriors, um, yeah, it's, it's really just the attention to detail because, um, you know, it's easy for life to get in the way other, yeah, people have their jobs and their families and, um, it's, it's a lot to, to navigate and, and they've usually never done it before, but we've, and we've at least coached people through this before. So that's where we can, um, help out and at least, uh, provide the guidance. Yeah. So Tyler of that you know sort of the, the the long road back one of the more interesting things that that i had uh found out about was i talked to i was talking to ethan uh finley and kevin molino a couple of years back they both had had um uh, knee issues that they were rehabbing and they both said one of the hardest things about it was getting to a point where like as an athlete you're like i'm re- your mind is like i'm ready but your body is not actually ready and that that little gap right there from sort of feeling like it's time to get back but knowing you can't push it really hard was maybe the hardest mental part of the process for them uh yeah it is it, there there does come a point where you feel like you are fully fit and able to to fully practice and, and do everything that you once were able to do, but there's also that risk of then uh, relapsing and, and causing more damage that will then set you back further. And so I got to a point uh, probably by December where I was like, okay, I can go out and fully train. And then you wake up the next day and your hips sore uh, because you dove maybe too many times. And so it's really finding that balance and you're listening to your own body because your own body will tell you how you're, you're feeling. It'll tell you if you did too much yesterday, or if you're still feeling fresh, you can continue to push yourself and really taking it step by step. Um, which comes with having a great program a great physical therapist, um, and really having the guidance that will help push you along uh, to, to that, that end goal that you have, whether it's, it's your professional athlete or you're uh, a normal person that just has to require surgery. Everybody has a life to live. Everybody's has daily tasks to live. And so for, for me, I mean, walking was one of the, the things that I wasn't able to do for six weeks. And so getting back to the point that I could walk was a daily, daily goal of mine. And that's ever what, what, what people strive for, I think, when you have a surgery is like, okay, getting to that point that you can walk and those little milestones help you get to your end goal along the path. Yeah. In terms of those um, setbacks, uh, Dr. Folsom, like the, the, the question of re-injuring, the question of, uh, you know, pushing yourself too hard again, 
you know, what's what's some of the the sort of the science behind some of that question, and 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 how susceptible you are to re-injury um, for for you know, like how do you what can people do to not you know re-cause injuries like that happening to them? Yeah, so it's it's, it's specific to the the injury that was sustained in the first place, but to, to use the example of, of of knees and those two players you mentioned with with ACL tears. Um, you know, kind of that, that notion of feeling like you're ready, but then the, the body's not quite ready. We, we try to use as much science as we can there in terms of measuring strength and measuring agility. And while, while the professional athletes do know their bodies extremely well, um, sometimes still some of those numbers don't support it. And so we, we, we try to rely on, on that science. So that's one piece of it, but even, even without, um, that there's still that risk. And so that's the mental component of it that, that some patients and players struggle with more than others. Um, some even um, we get some, you know, again, with the team concept, we'll, we'll get some sports psychology involved if, if needed. Um, the reality is I think it's always there a little bit. I mean, the, the surgeon worries too. We may not openly talk about it, but the, the surgeon and the, the player worry because the risk is real because it, all of these things, we really strive to get people back to just their baseline. In reality, that's all we can do. The, the ACL that we reconstruct is not superhuman and indestructible. It's, it's at best, it's only as good as the original. Um, and so there, it's just one of, one of the unfortunate realities of, of, of playing and injuries. Yeah. Has the, has the science in terms of that stuff, like the, the idea of measuring this, the strength, you know, you know, like having a measurement system for doing that stuff, has that um, evolved uh, a lot recently? Like what are some of the things that have happened, you know, in the last decade or so, or two decades or something that have, that have helped advance that science of, of rehabbing? Yeah, it's, it's definitely advanced quite a bit. Um, I mean, kind of some of the simple metrics are these strength measurements, but really what we're starting to learn is just, it's the complete package. It's not just strength of one muscle group or another, but kind of how they all work together and how the body moves together. And so some of the more advanced um, return to play um, programs, look at that, you know, use video capture with markers to see how the, the patient's moving and detect certain patterns and certain patterns that might be at risk. And this idea of neuromuscular re-education where you're training your body over and over how to do certain movements, but in a particular way that is safer than what you might do otherwise. Everybody's kind of familiar with the term of muscle memory, but this, this kind of takes it a step further. It's not just um, where you are in space at one time, but while you're doing a certain movement like running or stopping or cutting or pivoting and tying that all together. But the, the, the research seems to show that you have to keep up with it. And so that, that training kind of never ends. And um, those, those particular players you mentioned, uh, the one that's still with us, he, um, he does that on a daily basis to try to uh, prevent that re-injury. And that's what I tell all my patients is that um, you really have to just continue it forever yeah. to stay at that top form. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I think a lot of people don't appreciate with athletes is, is it's so quick to fall off that top form, you know, like you're, you're, you're tuned so highly that missing just any amount of time, like it, it's a, it's, it's a lot of work to get back to that level. Um, yeah. The, the, the stuff with 
sort of move muscle memory, you know, how you move in space and things like that is, is, has always been interesting. I remember getting into, um, running, uh, a while ago and, you know, the sort of, the, I was like, you run, you get out there and you run, you put one foot in front of another <laughs> as quickly as you can. And then you're like, Oh right. no, you, this is your foot strike. This is how you land. Like you need a different kind of shoe, like all of this stuff. And I was just like, I didn't know. I had no idea. I had to think this much about, <laughs> yeah. about well, how I move in space. <laughs> Steve, if I can add to that too, like one of the hardest parts for me was like, I had a chronic issue and my body had gotten used to operating at this, this level of deficiency. And so it was operating in a poor way, in poor fashion. My knees weren't really supporting my hips as well because they had to do too much. And so like what I had to learn was how to completely like, now I had everything set in the position it needed to be in. But now I had to basically retrain my body to now adjust to this newfound like life. Like it was a very difficult process of like, like teaching it. Okay, now you're able to actually get into this this range of motion that I typically wasn't able to. And so like that was also challenging of like you're talking about like uh, being able to to do the proper uh position or, or putting your foot in the proper stance and so like this was something that I had to completely retrain my body how to do yeah i was going to ask about that if you, <clears throat> i mean you know how you have changed your game basically in response to this and then also if you you know if you're, there's ongoing stuff that you're working on you know still to sort of help prevent that injury yeah there are there are i mean every day like dr Folsom was talking about like uh, i go into the gym and, and i make sure that i'm firing the right muscles and not firing not over firing uh, certain muscles to, to make sure that my body is fully supported. So that way it's able to be as explosive as possible. Um, and there are days where I can feel it and days where I feel great. Um, and so uh, there are the, the little, little nuances that go into it. And it's a lot of like small, cause I've done the bulk of the work that I need to for, for the rehab process. Now it's all the small little exercises that will help keep my body uh, feeling well to kind of continue out through throughout the season. Yeah. I mean, and goalkeepers fall down a lot more than, than everybody yes. else. So you sort of have to learn how to, how to even do that. It's a thing that's good. I mean, you know, it's come up, my daughter, you know, plays soccer and she likes a goalkeeper as a position. And I'm like, you just you get on the ball. Like just, that is your ball. Don't, don't let anyone else take it. And uh, yeah. you watch, you watch professional goalkeepers and they're falling down all the time, but that's on purpose. So you must have to learn how to do that <laughs> without injuring yourself, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, there's a trust too. And it, like, it comes back pretty quick and pretty instinctual. Um, but like the first time I dove after, uh, coming back from rehab, I, I was like, Oh, okay. I'm good. Like, this is okay. Like it took me a second. I had to register like my, my mind to, to what was happening to my body. And then eventually just started to build on it as it went. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Folsom, in terms of that I, th that, I think trust was a really great word to bring up there from Tyler in terms of that, that there is a sort of last gap to cross where you're like, I have to trust that this is going to work. Um, you know, is that, is it something that just has to happen or are there ways that you work with patients in terms of developing, you know, those baby steps getting up to that point? Yeah, it is a, it is an important step and um, it's, I think for a lot of, at least for a lot of my weekend warrior patients, um, it's, they kind of think of it as in a stepwise thing. It's like, okay, I came to this appointment and now all these floodgates are open. Now I can do this. And it's kind of a stepwise progression. 
when really it's more of just kind of a gradual continuum. I mean, the mm-hmm. best way to kind of test it out is to, okay, you know, like say for a lifting a weight, you, you lift a lighter weight first and you don't necessarily just immediately try to go back to where you were a year ago, you know, before your injury, just because you came to this um, doctor appointment. And, um, you know, we, I, I guess we don't have to explain that to the professional athletes as much because we are working with them daily and the, the physical therapists and the athletic trainers are working with them daily. So they can't help but see that gradual uh, routine. But um, really for either of them, there's, there's still a point where it is a little bit of a leap of faith. I mean, for, for everybody, there's a first game back, you know, there, there was still a first game back. And just like Tyler said, there was a first time that he dove on the ball, dove, dove and fell down. And so there, yeah, there always has to be a little bit of a leap of faith, but again, we try to try to prepare uh, folks and as best we can. Yeah. Yeah. So um, last couple of things I want to ask you guys, Tyler, I'll start with, start with you in, in terms of, you know, is there something you can sort of point to that you're like, this was, we've talked about a lot of different elements of, of how it's changed your game and things like that. Just for you personally, like what has been the big takeaway from this experience of, of going through this and then, and then coming back to play at the level you're playing at right now? Well, I think it's my ability to recover after games now and after trainings. Um, before uh, I went through this process, it was difficult for my body to fully recover. Like I, I would come out of games and my back would be hurting really tight um, or my hips would be hurting. And, and it would be a couple of days before I actually felt 100%. And now I'm able to push my body so much further than I was before and still recover a lot quicker as well. So I'm able to bounce back and get into training a lot, a lot sooner and train at a higher level that ultimately allows me to, to really push myself to my fullest potential. And so now I don't have this thing that's, that's holding me back anymore. I'm just able to, to trust kind of like we're talking about trust in my body that it is going to do what I, what I want it to do. And I will be able to fully recover to be ready to go again. Yeah. Um, uh, Dr. Folsom, uh, for you to sort of turn this to the everyday people, people who don't have a team of <laughs> physicians necessarily who are watching out for their health that same kind of way. What can the people, you know, uh, who are, who are still out there, who are still those weekend warriors who, who want to be active, uh, maybe their bodies uh, are not as young as they used to be. What are some of the things that are very important for people to do in order to help prevent, you know, injuries like this from happening in the first place? Oh, well, I would even, um, since we're obviously talking about soccer, I would take a moment just to go back a little bit and, and talk about even high school and particularly high school, because sure. um, that's the big age. We see it um, as um, players reach their teenage years is just the, the risk of ACL injury. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a almost epidemic proportions in um, soccer, high school soccer, particularly females and even in a college. And back to the neuromuscular re-education programs that I was talking about, there are programs that exist for uh, training to be done in a preventative manner to prevent an ACL injury. And those are scientifically proven to be effective. Um, They are a little difficult to employ just from the standpoint of sticking with it um, because it at first it seems kind of boring and it doesn't seem like a big deal, but ask anybody that's had an ACL injury. And I think they would say, 
if they could go back and do it, they they would to avoid that injury. Yeah. Um, so I would I would highlight that in in particular um, as as something that is important. But yeah, then kind of to take that forward to the the weekend warrior. You know, as as we age, the uh, what's an appropriate exercise or an appropriate exercise routine changes. You know, it might not be the the heavy bench press and squats that you did when you were in high school. And so those things get modified, just like the activities get modified. Um, but I think just the principles of a regular routine, anything is better than nothing. Um, stretching, yoga, body weight type stuff as you get into, say, your 40s, 50s and above, those types of things. And then another good golden rule is don't ignore pain. Um, you know, generally, you know, just like the athlete that we talked about that maybe kind of suppresses that that feeling of pain and says, oh, I'll just kind of go through it. I mean, you know, not saying you have to go to the doctor on day one of pain, but, uh, you know, if something's been going on for a while, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to need a surgery, but perhaps just uh, some physical therapy or some other interventions. So don't, don't ignore the pain would be the, the last piece of advice. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I hadn't, you know, I hadn't really considered, um, you know, the high school age, but I do, I have heard the stuff about sort of this epidemic of, of injuries that are happening. Um, and obviously if you can work with people young, so they get those, those things straightened out, so to speak before, you know, stuff becomes an issue. Like it did, you know, with Tyler is saying he's, he's sort of figured out how to be much more effective now. Um, get them, get them young. Right. And, (laughs) and and the other, the other epidemic in high school sports, and really this starts even middle school age is overuse injuries. And, you know, the early sports specialization, um, people get into whether it be soccer or baseball or whatever their sport, instead of playing three or four different sports through the year, it's just one sport. And that kind of cross training effect that you get, um, kind of unintentionally by playing different sports is actually quite good for the body. Um, whereas just the same motions and repetitions over and over will, will often lead to some overuse uh, injuries, which can be a particularly nagging and, and, and difficult to deal with because, you know, nobody wants to hear that they need to be just shut down for weeks or months. But usually that's the, the answer to most of those problems. Right. So Tyler, other than walking uh, your dog, Nash, is, are there any uh, cross uh, sport? Obviously you're quite specialized, but that's your job. Do you, are there other things that you do, uh, you know, just in terms of general physical activity to sort of switch things up for yourself? Yeah, I, I, uh, I enjoy uh, hiking, uh, taking my dog to the dog park. Yeah. And then occasionally um, if we have the time uh, casually playing some pickleball, which it gives, gives me a lot of lateral movement, a lot of like quick burst movement. Uh, nothing to the point of obviously risking injury, but um, it's just something also to, to, to mentally take a break from soccer. Uh, yeah. Because no matter what you're doing, it, it, everybody needs a break from, from their jobs. Um, and so for me, it's just a fun way to get out there and be active and, and also still incorporate some, some real lateral like explosions, like those type of movements. Yeah. Pickleball is great. I played it for the first time this, uh, 
the summer with my daughter who's did a little bit of tennis. And so then we got, we got a set of pickleball things cause it seemed fun. And um, any game yeah. that has a part of the field that's called the kitchen, I think is okay with me, which is a very odd, <laughs> odd term for the area near the pickleball. Man. <laughs> I, know, I, lo- I love the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, for the 158th sound of the loons podcast presented by Alina health orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating. You can follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. Tyler, do you have any social media you would like to plug? Are you, are you, are you a young guy who uh, yeah. does the TikToks or um, what do you do? No, I do not have TikTok. I yeah. will not get TikTok, <laughs> but I, I do have Twitter uh, and I do have Instagram. So, All right. there. And uh, Dr. Greg Folsom, thank you so much. Uh, do you have, uh, do you tweet? Are you, are you a social media person? <laughs> No, I'm, I'm not. I, I probably probably should be, um, <laughs> but I, I do not have Twitter or Instagram. Um, Good for you. <laughs> you, can, you can find us at alinahealth.org slash ortho, and uh, <laughs> you can find us there. There you go. There's a nice, there's a nice picture of you there. I, look, I looked you up, so, yeah. uh, you know, you, you can get all the info there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can follow me at Steve Andrus. I am on Twitter still somehow. So uh, apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you. People can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>